What's up, guys? It's Big Luke here, Man of the Free. Freedom of mind, money, and media in the Man of the Free studio is my favorite place to be. Why am I here? I'm here to bring you value. Guys, I don't get paid to do this. I do this because I want to. I do this because I believe there's a reason for me to be here. Um, what is that reason? Well, I turn on the TV, I look at my phone, I read the newspaper, and I see repetitive, cyclical bullshit, okay? There's a few good reporters out there. There's guys that uh, and girls that have a passion for bringing truth, um, which is uh, a passion that I share with them. There's people out there that do a good job. The problem is I don't see these people, the real good ones, being tasked with the, uh, the stories that matter, okay? What do I see? I see Donald Trump every day, okay? Every day there's a new story about Donald Trump. Why? Because he's a political figure, because he's going to be running for president. And as long as he's a threat, to the swamp that is Washington, D.C., and as long as his uh, campaign and his pledge is to go in and rattle the cages and uh, bust out the norm, he's going to be under attack. He's going to be in the scope, guys. It's just the way it's going to be. So why is he in the newspaper every day? Is it possible, really stop and question this, is it possible for someone to be so noteworthy that they make the newspaper every single day? It's not fucking possible, guys. It's just simply not. There's nobody that interesting. They don't exist, okay? So you have to ask yourself, what, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Why, there's got to be more shit out there. What's Michael Jordan doing? He's pretty famous. What's Kevin O'Leary doing? What's Mark Cuban doing? What's uh, President Zelensky doing? Well, we see him pretty, uh, pretty frequently nowadays. But, uh, you know, what's ex-President George W. Bush doing? What is fucking Mario Lemieux doing? Is he still alive, hockey player? I don't know. Any Lemieux fans out there? I'm just pulling shit out of the ass right now, guys. My point being, there's how many million people in the United States, Ruben, 330? Yeah. How many people in the world? Do you know? I think it's like 330, 340. Uh, uh, well, for a U.S., it's 330, 330 million. 340 million. I think, I think the world's like 3 billion. Okay, so there's 3 fucking billion people in the world, right? And out of 3 billion people, the same one or two people make the newspaper every day. That's got to tell you something, guys. That's got to resonate with you, okay? And what it means, essentially, is that there's something that they want to be top of mind for you, okay? And when the pattern is negative, when they're consistently tearing somebody down, okay, unwinding them piece by piece, systematically defaming them and making them seem less credible and less desirable as a political figure, as a, you know, an athlete, as a newscaster, as a whatever. When they're continually taking apart somebody's character, taking uh, their accomplishments and minimizing them, basically making somebody look bad, there's a reason behind it, okay? And there's a word for that. It's called a narrative, all right? The other day, I posted a picture. I think it was of the studio. It was of the studio. I think it might have been you and me, Ruben and Scott and Antonio Diaz. And I said something like, great people make great content. And I was looking through the comments that I got on it. And a guy that I did jail time with, who's a, who's a good guy, um, who I've maintained some sort of relationship with after, after jail, made a comment. And he said, you know, uh, I think it was something like, most people just see a big meathead I see an intelligent and like uh, incredible thinker or something. It was a very nice compliment that he paid me, but it basically was like, most people see a meathead. I see a very smart guy. Thank God you're doing what you're doing. Please, you know, send me the link. Let me know what's going on. He goes, because finally there's going to be a voice of reason out there and we all have somebody um, or we have somebody that may start to wake people up. And I stopped and I read what he wrote and I was like, okay, well, number one, that's a hell of a compliment. I was very grateful for that. Um, number two, I was like, what does he mean by that? 
to wake people up. You know, I know the general connotation, you know, just bring awareness, but I'm like, what does he really mean? And I started to think about the things we talked about when I was locked up. I started to think about the things that this guy knew I valued and the amount of bullshit that exists out there that I would, you know, piss and moan about basically. And when you're in jail, you have nothing but time. Okay. So you can reinvent the wheel. You can chew the fat all day and solve the problems of the world inside those chain link walls. But when you get out and you get out in the real world, there's other things that occupy your time. There's other things that occupy your mind. Okay. And you have to put one foot in front of the other and you have to maintain a life. You have to feed your family. You got to put gas in your car. You got to pay your insurance. You got to go to your doctor's visits. You got to clean your house. There's only 24 hours in a day. And there's so many things that as human beings, as productive human beings, if that's what you are, um, that we're responsible for, that I think it gets lost somewhere, right? This sense of wanting to make a change, this sense of we need to reflect and fix things, the sense that somewhere along the way, the people in this country became so goddamn complacent and so arrogant that we're the greatest nation in the world, we're the biggest military superpower, we can't be touched. We're unshakable. We got the best land, the best resources, the best government, the best military. I can go on and on and on. But the general connotation was that we're the best. And the thought process that goes through the heads of most Americans, and I say most, that we're just uh, infallible. We just won't be beaten, and we're great, and we're the greatest country in the world. So when you accept that as reality, we're the greatest country in the world. No one can take us down. You know what happens? People start to take that for granted, okay? And when you start having classrooms that are not saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, that's a fucking problem. Why? Because I'm a racist, white supremacist, Christian, neo-Nazi? No. And if that's where your mind goes, when I say that I'm dissatisfied with the fact that our kids aren't standing for the pledge... That's your fucking problem, man. I'm sorry, but that line of thinking, how you get from A to B there is beyond me. What do I mean when I say that? The kids should be standing for the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I mean that a long time ago, the ground that we stand upon was fought and died over by our predecessors. People that came before us, that lived here, that decided it was worth their lives no longer existing in the world as they knew it to try to provide freedom for their children, for their family, for those to come after them. Well, shit on me, but I think you should pay homage to that. I think you should be grateful for that. I look around the world and I see people like the Uyghur Muslims in China being killed, genocide, because their government doesn't agree with what they do, okay? I look and I see countries quarreling, Russia and Ukraine, people dying, okay, over land disputes, natural resource disputes, and more importantly, excuse me, importantly, political disputes. The opinions of men, that's all that is. The opinions of men and women bickering, not agreeing, not able to calm down and just come to a general conclusion on a common goal, tensions, lack of diplomacy, people are dying. And the part that crushes me and really should sink into your mind and you really should pay attention to is the fact that those that are fighting and dying are not the ones that started the fight. The ones that are dying are the ones that stand to pledge to their flag. They believe in the country that they live in, okay? I believe in the country that I live in. It's got some problems, 
Of course. I drive a brand new Ford pickup truck. It's an $80,000 vehicle. I love it to death. It's got problems. It's rubber, plastic, and metal. It's going to. We're human beings. We're going to have problems. Anything in life that occurs naturally, anything that is not man-made or produced by artificial intelligence, it's going to have an issue, guys. It's just the nature of the beast. So these ideologues that have this concept that the United States is so deeply, deeply flawed and such a hateful country and has so many deep-seated problems. It's just fucking insane, okay? These are the same people that get their pretty ass up in the morning, go to their Keurig and make their single-serve cup of coffee, go over to their fridge and grab their fucking fruit smoothie, okay? Go to their couch on their Ikea sofa, turn on their 50-inch flat screen on the wall, and then watch the news ticker go by while they're checking their Bitcoin stocks. These people are bitching about the country that they live in. The fact that they can bitch, the fact that they are not persecuted politically for bitching, is a right that they have because they live in this country. The fact that they can watch the TV that they've paid for with their own money and bought the size they uh, so choose. More importantly, put it on the channel that they wanted to watch. That's a right that they get to have because they live in this country. It's just a spoiled brat syndrome is really what it is, guys. Okay? Now, why do I believe this is? It's because it's, it's kind of like this, okay? I'm a felon. I robbed a bank. I've had assault charges, DWIs. I've been to prison. The day I got out of prison, I walked very tightly. I said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I opened doors for everybody. I didn't make eye contact with a lot of people because I was so freshly scarred from the experience of prison. And it was so recent on my mind that I was, uh, I was staying in my lane. I was going to make sure I did exactly what I needed to do not to go back there, okay? And then time went on, and I didn't get arrogant. I've always remained humble, and I'm very proud of myself for that. But I started to get more comfortable. I started to loosen up my stride a little bit. I started to worry a little bit more about myself. I started to loosen up in conversation, have a little bit more fun, see a few more people, drive a little bit faster. Wasn't hurting anybody. Wasn't breaking any laws. I just wasn't quite as timid. Okay. Why am I telling you that? Because number one, you can understand what I just said. It makes perfect sense, right? So if that right there makes perfect sense to you, so should this. When you are one year out of a major, major world war, the scars are going to be fresh. The blood stains will still be on your skin. The taste, the salty copper taste of blood will still be in your sinuses from the battlefield. And you can bet your bottom dollar, you're very grateful to be back on your homeland. You're very grateful to no longer be in conflict. In fact, you go home, you sit at your dinner table, you make your children say their prayers, you make sure they set a pledge of allegiance to the flag that you served and fought to uphold when they're at school. You ask them how their day was. You make sure there was no air raid sirens. It's fresh on your mind. The wounds are still fresh. The pain still aches because it was so recent and it's so vividly in your memory, okay? A decade later, your children are now in middle school. 
your wife's a little older, you've experienced a little more, you're back in the workforce, you got a promotion, you're in upper management, you're a little more worried now about the color of your house, whether your fence has a fresh coat of paint on it, maybe you can upgrade the pickup truck to a four-wheel drive, and you still dream at night about the fallen soldiers, your friends that you lost, the bullets that you saw pass through the skulls of your fellow Americans while you stormed the beach, but you're a little bit better now. You still have the night sweats and the post-traumatic stress, but you're a little bit better now. Let's fast forward another decade. These kids are now in college, maybe off in the workforce, maybe serving in the military themselves. So now it's just you and the old lady, your empty nesters, okay? Now you're worrying about retirement, money, vacations. What are we gonna do with the rest of our lives? And a decade later and so on and so on until you pass and it moves on to the next generation, but no world wars. Now here comes the next generation. They have a child. They make sure they let that child know that he or she needs to pay homage to what their granddaddy did. What's that gun on the wall? What's that American flag folded up like a triangle on the mantelpiece? Wow, that was the American flag, little Johnny, that was spread across your granddaddy's coffin. Seven soldiers each fired three shots in a 21-gun salute when they put your granddaddy in the ground. Why, Daddy? Well, Johnny, because your grandfather was a good man. He helped fight for exactly what you and I enjoy today. Well, what do you mean? And the education proceeds. And the man who's only one generation removed from the soldier, from the human body that nearly died to protect the land that we call home, he's one generation removed from that man. So with strong conviction and with glassy, wet, teary eyes, he teaches the stories of his grandfather's crusades. He explains to him the importance of having pride in your country. He explains the respect for your fellow man. He explains the respect for the other people on the world stage. And the child gets a general understanding that this is a great country that he lives in. Great people fought to preserve it. And the rights that he enjoys, he must then pay homage to. The Pledge of Allegiance, the salute of a soldier, the shaking of the hand of a veteran when he's in line getting ice cream, all the things I was taught to do by my father because his father fought in the Korean War. Okay, So now this child, this child grows up. This child has children. Those children may ask questions but they're not going to see the rifle on the wall unless it's a very strict family that, uh, you know, is, is very tight and they carry those things through the generations. But unfortunately, more times than not, those lessons and those memories start to fade, okay? The reason little Johnny was able to understand so well about granddaddy is because he met granddaddy. He sat on his lap. He would ask dad why granddad's in the corner with a cold beer sitting on the Adirondack chair staring off into the distance quietly and why he jumps so hard when the fireworks go off at the 4th of July celebration. He saw it with his own eyes. He saw his granddad. He saw the loss. He saw the darkness in the back of his eyes because of what that man fought to protect. But as the generations go on, and the lessons become filled with fill-ins and I'm not sure's and well, that might not be as important. And as time goes on, the memory fades and those wounds are healed and the blood stains are gone and the scars have scabbed and left and scarred over. The skin is somewhat back to normal. 
The mind forgets. And then people start behaving in a way that's arrogant. They don't have granddaddies that fought and died to protect this land. They've got people that tell them, you can be whatever you want to be. Telling the four foot three kid that he can be an NBA star if that's what he puts his mind to. Tells the testosterone filled young man who says, I'm not really into girls yet. Well, you maybe just, you might be a woman as he looks at his penis and wonders what's being told to him. The priorities get fucked up, guys, as time goes on. We are so far removed from the lessons of our past that people are no longer paying homage to the American flag. They're no longer respecting the people that came before them. Do you know what I just saw today, Ruben? In an article, and I believe it was ah, the fucking university. What's one of the major woke-ass universities? Harvard, Yale. It was, I don't remember. One of those. I believe it was an Ivy League school. They came up with uh, the 10 most recent harmful pieces of language. You know what one of them was? What was it, Luke? American. I shit you not, American. This college, this progressive, liberal, and I'm not getting political here, guys, other than to just call a spade a spade, okay? I tend to move right down the center, leaning slightly towards conservative, just because of my feelings of uh, patriotism. But when it comes into politics, I don't jump on red or blue or one side or the other. I jump on facts. And I tell the truth, and I figure things out for myself based on logic and reasoning, okay? So apparently it's harmful to be American, to use that word. It's a trigger. Now that, that's just when I draw the line, man. When there's a fucking media agency telling you that to use the word American in a sentence to call yourself an American might trigger somebody else, well, I'm sorry, but you can kiss my ass, okay? Because I am an American, and there's nothing harmful about being an American. The same college, in the world of academia that tells the student, you can say whatever you want to say. You have freedom of speech. You can behave how you want to behave. This is a free country. You must require certain language to be spoken that is kind to you and it's okay because you have the right to feel that way. You have all these rights, you have all this gravity, you have all this ground before you to walk and move and shuck and jive as you please. But don't you dare say American, even though that's the country that affords you those rights. Guys, I don't know where we got lost along the way, okay? But I do know this. The media is participating, okay? The reason I'm here is because when I see this bullshit, I just can't shut up, man. I just can't shut up about it, okay? And I go on tirades talking to my friends and my family and There's like two ways it goes, right? Half the people are just like, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. Casually glancing at their watch, the timestamp on their phone, looking off in the horizon to see if their Uber's on the way. Oh, yeah, no, I'm with you. That sucks. And then they try to exit stage right and get the fuck out of the conversation as quickly as they can because it's uncomfortable. Because the news told them the way I'm speaking is harmful. The news told them when you use logic and common sense and you call bullshit when you see it, you're a conspiracy theorist. And instead of stopping and saying, you know what? This doesn't make sense. And that guy's right. I should probably act on it. I should probably form an opinion. And I should start to move in a direction that's productive to get away from this nasty narrative. 
No. No. Instead, and I understand, guys. I ain't mad at you. I get it. It's scary moves to make. To step out of the realm of norm, to move into a space that's uncomfortable, to be the guy or the girl or the they or the them that other people look at as highly opinionated and driven, it's scary. It's a lonely little island to walk on. But my goal, my dream, is that those people become the majority. We need to wake up. We need to start speaking louder. When you see something that don't make sense, you don't just go, God damn, that don't make sense. <laughs> All right, man, let's just fucking get drunk. That's fucked up, okay? That's just not going to get us anywhere than right further down that road. And I get it, guys. I understand, you know. It's not my battle, Luke. It's not my battle. I got shit to do. I got to worry about my job. I got to worry about my kids. I got to worry about my sick grandmother. I got to worry about my wheel bearings. Like, I get it, okay? I've learned over the years. Believe you me, I've learned that I am not fucking normal. That I'm not like the rest of the population. But let me just dissect that for you for a moment. And spoiler alert, this is going to be looked at as arrogant. It's going to be viewed as braggadocious, egomaniacal, self-important. But I don't care because these are facts. And the people that are going to watch this show and are going to enjoy this show and get value out of this show are the people that are going to understand what I'm about to say. And they're going to say, you know what, Big Luke? Shit, it's a fact. And you earned it. Preach it. So I'm going to. I'm a millionaire. Does that mean there's a million dollars cash in my pocket? No. That means the business network that I've created, what I have, what I own, if it were to be sold for its market value, would be over a million dollars. That means that I have a million dollars in asset that I can dispose of and turn into money if I so choose. Okay? Now, do I have a million dollars cash in the bank? That's none of your goddamn business. Okay? Maybe. Maybe close. Maybe a little more. Maybe a little less. Shouldn't matter. Okay? Shouldn't define who I am to you. Well, if that's the case, Luke, why are you talking about it? Because I don't think the majority of people are. Okay? Matter of fact, I know they're not because I read statistics. Does that make me better than you? Nope. Want to know why? Because I'm the same person I was eight years ago. And eight years ago, I wasn't a millionaire. Okay? So it doesn't change who I am. Okay? All it does is afford me certain freedoms, like big expensive lights, like props and podiums, like 6K cameras, 6K cameras, and a producer, and soundboards, and monitors, and all the shit in here, okay, to bring this to you. Muralists, LED lights, signs, it all costs money, okay? Man of the free. Freedom is money. That's a big piece of it. You're going to learn that as you watch this show, okay? But... As I move forward in life, I learned that I'm not like everybody else, okay? That I, every day I got to be productive. I got to be doing something. Now, I'm an addict, mind you. I'm a drug addict. I've been my whole life, okay? I didn't always know it, but does that mean that I hide under the counter here and I snort cocaine to come back with all this energy? No, it's Monster or Rockstar or whatever energy drink I feel like that day. There were days I would climb under the counter and do coke, I promise you that. It's not okay, I don't condone it. I'm a drug addict means that there's something in me 
that is a behavior or a disease that causes me to be incredibly high intensity and in need of stimulation at all times, which means drugs will satiate that, which is why people become drug addicts, okay? So now, take that and eliminate the narcotics. What do you have? You have a very high energy individual that is bound to fail and use drugs again. Unless he finds something productive to do with that energy, he finds something else that gives him that serotonin and endorphin rush, you're looking at it, okay? Logic, persuasion, knowledge, common sense, figuring things out and bringing it to people, speaking it forward as the truth and helping other people dissect what's going on in their own lives, helping people come to the point where they go, no shit, that's why I saw that, that's why they're doing that, that's why they told me that was bad. It's a beautiful thing, guys. It's a beautiful thing to wake people up. In this show, we also bring special guests on to talk about their accolades and what they've done and their successes and how they started as a very low man on the totem pole, middle-class working American or even well below that, growing up in the ghetto, getting beat by their parents, coming from another country, third world, whatever. They've done great things. I bring those people to you because they're like me. They want to get on here. They want to be loud. The way to get money, the way to get freedom, the way to get where you want to go in life is to break through obscurity, okay? If people don't know you, they cannot flow you, okay? If people don't know who you are, you can't help them. And really, guys, that's what we should be doing as human beings every day. We should be working, taking care of our family and our own, but there should also be a devotion in there to help other people. Why? You say to yourself, well, that's pretty selfless. doesn't really benefit me. I don't know if I want to take the time to do that, Big Luke. Well, let me tell you something. If everybody's doing it, there's a much greater chance out of the 330 people, 330 million people in the country that you live in, if they're all exuding that same behavior, there's a much larger chance that they will help you over the course of the day than you them. What do I mean by that? There's one of you, there's 330 million of them. They're all around you, okay? Try helping people. If you continue to give, you will continue to have. I believe it. Ever since I started practicing it, my life's gotten exponentially better every day, day by day, okay? But because I'm not like other people, I understand, guys. I understand you don't want to get on a soapbox and start yelling things that aren't, aren't popular, aren't comfortable, okay? You don't want to talk about gender ideology because it's taboo, because the media told you if you don't speak a certain way, you don't call somebody by the correct pronoun, you are bad, you are hateful, you are mean. That's what they tell you, right? Ruben, we're going to play a clip, all right? And this clip, guys, it's unbelievable, okay? I'm in my gym, I'm working out, doing my little man of the free research, and I'm watching this video, and it's like, I think the guy's name is Isaiah or something. It's a little news section. It's this guy, and he's interviewing this woman. Now, I say woman, I'm assuming. She's queer, non-binary, non-binary, I'm sorry, not a... Not, not a woman, non-binary, okay? The air quotes are not out of sarcasm or disrespect. The air quotes are because I don't understand when I see long hair and long eyelashes and sitting as though she has a vagina and full breasts and feminine features, why I'm not supposed to call her a woman. That's what I don't understand, okay? Now, if she says, hey, Luke, I prefer that you call me they, okay, if that's what you'd like me to do, that's what I will do. Because I have the choice not to associate with you. 
So if I don't think I should call you they, I can walk my ass that way. And I'm, and I'm going to, okay? Not because there's anything wrong with you. Not because I don't like you. But because in my head, if you don't accept the fact that you were born a particular way and that you choose to be something else and that the fact that you force other people to have to use a particular special kind of language that isn't even cohesive with the English language and the way that it's supposed to be used, that makes you wrong, not me. Not wrong for being transgender, not at all. Do your thing, chicken wing. I got no problem with that. I encourage it. It's freedom of expression. It's the beauty of America. What I have a problem with is when you tell me what words are gonna come out of my mouth. That's where I take issue, okay? If you don't like me, you can walk away. If I don't like you, I can walk away. But don't tell me when forced to interact with you because I don't use a predetermined set of language that aligns with nothing I've been taught in my entire life and nothing that I've discovered myself in my entire life to be true, that I'm somehow harming you, okay? So I'd like you to take a step back, take a moment and watch this clip as the woman who is the self-professed representative of the queer community can't even get one of her fellow queers pronouns right. Roll the clip, Ruben. Uh, the professor that got fired from her her university, right? For, for even yeah. writing a paper about this. What was it? I think her name, his name, I think it's they. Um, their name was Alan Walker. Um, she, they. Well, there you have it, guys. Okay, I ain't making this shit up. Why did I show you that clip? Not to make fun of somebody, not to have humor at their expense. In fact, there's really not anything funny about that. Somewhat comical that something that's being forced so aggressively can't even be practiced correctly by the people who force it. But what you just saw is exactly what I'm talking about. Prime example, an idea being forced upon you that's so radical, so unnecessary, and so just not aligning with what occurs naturally and what is a part of the actual language that we speak in its purest form, it's comical that they can't even get it right because it's not. It's just not, it's just not designed correctly, guys. Now, I want to make sure that I'm very clear with my stance on this, okay? And we shoot live, so every once in a while I take a drink. I want to make sure you understand where I stand on the gender topic, okay? I have no problem with trans people. I have no problem with a lot, of, a lot of gay friends. I have no problem with the queer community whatsoever. I honestly think that the the the, the rainbow representation logo is kind of cool. It's colorful. It celebrates diversity. I can I can fuck with that. I can align with that, guys, because diversity is what makes my country a beautiful place. Some of my best friends are black, brown, white. We're all from different places. We all have different ancestry, different cultures. Matter of fact, I just had some, um, where was I? It was at a friend's perfume store and they were eating some food from, I think it was the Caribbean. Anyways, it was some cultural food. It was delicious. I learned something. That's what makes this country beautiful, okay? That anybody can come here and become successful. They got to come here the right way. We'll get into that in just a moment. But a melting pot of cultures is a beautiful thing. When all of those people are united towards a common goal. That's where the problem is right now, guys. And that's when, why when I saw my friend's Facebook comment, he said, oh, great. Everybody sees a meathead, but I know that man. He's intelligent. He's going to wake people up. That's all I'm doing, guys. I'm shaking the cage right now. 
I'm banging on the window, trying to wake you up, okay? I'm trying to show you what's being put in front of you every single day and shoved down your throat as normal, the new normal, the way you're supposed to behave, what's not harmful, what's inclusive is bullshit, 85% of it, okay? So let's talk for a minute about that uh, get here the right way thing, okay? So right now, the southern border to this country is wide open. I mean, wide open. What were the figures? I was just hearing them the other day. Probably should have been a little better prepared, but it was something like, it was just the, the thousands of people per day coming over the border. I believe it was a million a year. I think it was a million a year. And guys, if I'm wrong, put it in the comments. But from a proportion standpoint, it was double or better of the amount of uh, immigrants that we experienced in previous administrations. Now, what does that mean? That means that the amount of people that are infiltrating the borders of our country, okay? Now, I use the word infiltrating. Oh, God, that's that's nasty. That, that implies hate. No, it doesn't. Look up the word infiltrate. It's accurate. It's relevant, okay? People are making their way into this country that are not supposed to be here. They're not welcome, okay? Oh, not welcome? You racist? No, no. Dissect that. People who break the law are not welcome. Did I say Mexicans aren't welcome? Nope. Did I say Venezuelans are not welcome? Did not. Did I say Cubans are not welcome? No, I love Cuban food. There's some beautiful Cuban women. All respect to my wife. She knows how I feel about curves. You'd know if you met my wife. The bottom line is this, guys. You break the law, you go to jail. You get cited, you pay a fine, you have a trial. There's a justice system for it. But you are not rewarded with health care, a place to live, a free ride to the destination of your choice. If I walked up to you and said that I just walked into a music store, I'm going to date myself, a music store. Can you even buy a fucking record anywhere anymore? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. All right. Thanks, Ruben. I feel better. You walk into a music store. You take 20 records, you walk out, you go home. Hey, Ma. Yes, son. I just stole 20 records. What, why would you do such a thing? <laughs> why would I do such a thing? Also got this free cell phone. Would you steal that? No, no. The minute they found out I broke the law, they gave me the cell phone. Really? Son, what are you smoking today? I'm not smoking anything, Ma. I stole the fucking records. They gave me a cell phone. Then they gave me health care. They gave me a little appearance ticket, but one of the guys that I talked to said, I ain't even got to show up for that shit. They're not even going to come chase me down. Then they put me on a plane. They flew me to New York City. This is great. This is what's happening, unfortunately. It's not some guy with a downstate accent stealing, uh, accent stealing records. These are human beings coming in from other countries. Right now, People are moving in millions and millions and millions across the border. They're adjusting the population. Okay, guys. Now, this is when I'm talking about you have to pay attention. This is when I'm telling you that you don't just receive the bullshit that you are served from the mainstream media. All right. Now, a lot of you are thinking, Luke, why would, why would we be uh, allowing people to come in the country illegally, encouraging them to do so, funding them for doing so, giving them health care, like what would this possibly, what could this possibly benefit? Now, if you think long and hard about it and you know the voter bases and you know how people vote 
and you know the people that are encouraging and championing the illegal immigration and the type of things that are happening and the people that are uh, against it and are trying to legislate against it, it starts to paint a very red and blue picture that you can then understand. Now, if we start going into that, we're going to throw off the conspiracy theory meter. So in the interest of trying to stay off the uh, algorithm's radar, we'll just kind of stay on the topic that we're on. But guys, think about that. Your kids can't say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag when they're in class, but the same people that take that legislation and make that so are the ones telling the dreamers to come across the border in droves because this is the best country for them. This is amazing. We have benefits. You should live here. You can escape uh, and claim asylum from the political persecution that you're dealing with in your home country. That, to me, is a contradiction, a very blatant and obvious one, okay? Now, speaking on politics for a minute, we have a, by and large, a two-party system in this country, okay? You have your Democrats and you have your Republicans. You also have your Libertarians, your Independents, your Green, your, you know, whatever. How many am I missing, Ruben? A few? Yeah, socialist, things like that. That's right. Um, the ones that don't get on Fox News and CNN when they start counting the votes, okay? But, so, just think about that for a minute. Whenever in your life have you been able to create the best case scenario by only choosing from two things, right? That's like saying, we're going to have a birthday party, there's going to be 487 people there, and you can have Coke or Sprite. Well, what about water? No, nah, it's Coke or Sprite. What about water? All right, fine, Coke and water. What about root beer? <laughs> Guys, there's no situation under which every problem in the United States can be solved either one way or the other. Furthermore, the likelihood of all issues properly being seated on one side of that set of values or the other and then being correct is absolutely impossible, okay? So what, what am I saying? Why, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because in the media right now, Okay, you're either left or you're right. Agree or disagree. You're left or you're right. You're red or you're blue. You're Democrat or you're Republican. Now, what happens if you believe in God and country, but you also think a woman should have a right to an abortion? You got to choose. You got to pick one. What happens when you think one is overtly racist and you've got a, a you know, a interracial marriage, yet... You also think that the, econ the economics of the other party are good. You got to pick one or the other, okay? There's no situation in life under which completely one way or the other works unless you're talking about coding and computers and it's binary. That's it, okay? A light switch on or off. That's it. When it comes to a human being, ideas, thoughts, laws, legislation, economy, money, the dynamics of immigration and people and human beings, foreign conflict, geopolitical stage, climate, all these things. It's never going to sit on one side or the other. It's simply not. Well, that's why we have politicians, Luke. They go to Washington. They legislate on our behalf. Do they really? Ruben, do you think once a politician is hired that they go to Washington, D.C., and they then lobby hardcore for all the things they ran for on their platform while campaigning? I would have to say no. I'd have to say uh, they get there and a simple human concept comes uh, comes to fruition. Increase your power. There you go. Increase your money. Money and power. 
Okay, who was it? Lil' Kim said, money, power, respect. That's it. That's it, in a nutshell, guys. Okay. I want you to stop and think for a second that you're uh, you're somebody who's a who's a dreamer, who's got grandiose ideas for your community, for the people around you, the voices that are the loudest, the ones that you know need help. And you say, you know what? I'm going to give of myself. There's a decent salary involved. There's some little bit of fame. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna campaign. I'm gonna run for office. I'm gonna put on my suit and tie. I'm gonna throw my little American flag pin on my uh, lapel, and I'm just going to go hard charge, try to get some votes, try to get the support of my entire constituency, and I'm going to go to D.C., doggone it, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to help the people that I live with and around to be heard in the nation's capital. Well, you do a good job. You campaign well. You get a bunch of votes. You get elected. Holy shit, you're now a senator. You're now a United States representative, congressman, or woman. And you go to Washington, D.C. In the first session, you go in there and you say, all right, these are my these are my issues. We got this. We got that. We got guns. We got border. We got whatever they are. You start running down through the gamut. Everybody kind of listens, claps. Okay, great. There's your opening speech. Welcome to Congress. Go back to your office. Have a nice day. And then it happens. There's the knock on the door. And it's the lobbyist. It's the one that came in and said, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I see you're running for office. The ABC Oil Company, based here out of Houston, Texas, thinks that you'd probably be the best candidate for the job. So we'd like to offer to fund you $12 million in campaign funds so you can do a little advertising, have a little bit bigger reach, get into the minds and the hearts of the constituents that you want to serve so they're aware of you, so you break obscurity, so they know who you are. We'd like to bless you with that money. So you can then make yourself known, get you to Washington, D.C. What do you say? What do I have to do? <laughs> Nothing at all. Uh, we can't stipulate uh, how you behave in your political campaign for office based on a monetary donation. No. We just support you, sir. We believe in what you're doing. Where would you like me to make the checkout to? All right. Now, when you get up there to Washington... <laughs> You just don't forget about us boys back here, all right? All right, man, congratulations. Then the knock comes. You're first day on the job. You just got done going in and talking the big talk and walking the big walk, and you feel good about it. You made them know. You made them know who you were. You made them aware of what the constituency that you serve needs, what they need back in your hometown. All of a sudden, Mr. Johnson from ABC Oil Company, he's sitting in your... uh, chair opposite your desk when you get back to your office you go in there and say hey how you doing oh hey there uh hey there senator hey there congressman i heard your speech today man it was good it was good it made me uh made me remember what this country's all about yeah yeah but uh, there's one small problem with that yeah yeah remember how you said uh you was against fracking you wouldn't going to allow fracking whatsoever. You're going to do everything in your power to fight hydrofracking. Well, yeah, of course, that's how I feel. That's how I campaign. Yeah, see, I get it. I don't trust me. I understand. But a little problem with that, see, is back home, ABC Oil, we found a real good spot to do some fracking. And, uh, well, the way we seize it, we're going to strike gold, really. It's going to be worth about $12 billion. Not M with a M, B with a B, with a B. Big money. And, uh, well, we was just hoping that you'd remember that $12 million 
ducats we gave you there help you get up here on uh, Capitol Hill. Maybe, maybe think about changing your position on fracking. Not going to happen, Mr. Johnson. I'm sorry. You know why I'm here. You know what I ran for. I ran for my people. I ran for the things I believe in. I appreciate your donation, but you said it yourself, sir. You can't ask me to lean one way or the other politically. That would be campaign finance fraud. And uh, you gave me that $12 million because, well, you wanted to. Remember? I remember. I remember, Congressman. I understand. I'll go back and I'll tell those gentlemen exactly how you feel. Y'all have a good day now. What was your daughter's name? It was Beverly, right? She's in that dance class over on South Street. This cute little pink poodle skirt she's wearing for the recital this weekend. Well, hell. My friends over at the Target range, they's always talking about how Miss B's dance studio back door is way too close to the back side of the Targets. It'd be hell if something happened to that poor little beautiful girl of yours. Yeah. Anyway, anyway I'm sorry. I digress. You have a good day now. The shit that happens, guys. Okay? It's power. It's greed. It's money. So now that congressman goes home, explains to his wife what happens, and she goes, What? Do you, wait, whoa, 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 what? The same guy that was over here that bought us dinner, that rode on the four wheelers with the kids, that helped put up the barn, that guy? Yep. The guy that sent the limo over, brought all of us to the airport, and flew us in their private jet to DC, served us cocktails the whole way, had the kids bouncing on his knee. That guy, that Mr. Johnson from ABC Oil, the very same, honey, came into your office today and told you that if you don't allow hydrofracking and vote for the new bill to, to let it happen here in our hometown, that he's going to shoot our daughter. Well, he didn't say he's going to shoot our daughter. But is that the implication that you got? Yes, it is. Good. Great. Well, I guess you're going to vote for fracking, aren't you? What, babe? What are you talking about? You're going to let our daughter get shot? Well, I don't really think they're going to. Now there's mayhem. Now there's disarray in the home. Now the wife's on one side of the fence. He's trying to remain true to his political beliefs. He's trying to do what he thinks right. He's got 30,000, 40,000, 300,000, 3 million, whatever it is, people in his constituency that voted for him because they believed in him. Because they thought he was going to do what's right. Because they knew that that man looked them in their eyes and said that he was going to force change in Washington, D.C. That the powers that be weren't going to get to him. Well, guess what? There's a little girl in a poodle skirt in the crosshairs of a sniper at the local range. And if he doesn't do what he's been instructed to do, who knows what's going to happen? Now, there's a lot of fathers and mothers out there. Put yourself in his shoes. What are you going to do? Okay. Now, for those of you... You think I'm being dramatic? We're going to roll a little clip here. And it's going to include some people that have, uh, I don't know, Ruben, mysteriously been killed under questionable circumstances in regards to uh, political narratives and ideals. And we're only doing this because, excuse me, we just want to make it relevant, guys. Okay? Just want to make you understand that this is not just speech that this is based on real events that have happened, that I'm trying to rattle your cage and wake you up a little bit, maybe bring your mind back a touch and make it aware of some things that you might have already moved past that have occurred right under your nose that you paid no mind to. And you're going to understand very soon as you watch this program what's gone on that you've had absolutely no idea about, but also 
knew everything about. The media is very good at manipulating facts, creating a narrative, sending your mind in one direction. For instance, how about Ukraine, right? I stand with Ukraine. Go buy dairy farms in the country. These Ukrainian flags hanging right below, sometimes above the United States flag. Now, I've had a hard time myself wrapping my head around this, okay? And before you guys that are the easily triggered ones start talking, how's my levels? I fucked with my cord. We good? Start talking about me being harmful or racist or not sensitive to Ukrainians. Some of my best friends are Ukrainian guys, okay? I buy 30, 40% of my entire corporation's cars off of Ukrainian wholesalers. I love them. They love me. They're amazing people, okay? But they're not Vladimir Zelensky. They're not in Ukraine. They're Ukrainian Americans, okay? So this has nothing to do with respect or disrespect to Ukraine. This has to do with a set of facts and something that I need to raise your awareness of, okay? Does everybody remember Barack Obama? Yeah, thought so. Does everybody remember Joseph Biden? Yeah, me too, unfortunately. He's our current sitting United States president, and he was the vice president during the Barack Obama administration. Why is that relevant? That's relevant because his son, Hunter Biden, okay, and you know what's funny right now? You're going, Hunter Biden, oh God, here we go. It's probably a conspiracy. He's probably going to talk about the laptop. He's probably, no, I'm not. No, it isn't. Uh-uh. But that's what the media has trained you to think. That's what's going on in your head, not mine. Hunter Biden sat on a board of directors for a company called Burisma. Burisma, Burisma, potato, potato. Burisma is an oil company in Ukraine. Okay, and without, uh, with sparing you the nitty gritty details, essentially, Hunter Biden, who had absolutely no idea how to run a company, well, you can look that up, had no experience with oil, let alone a, sitting on a board of directors for a billion-dollar oil company abroad, overseas, in Ukraine, okay, somehow managed to be seated on the board of directors for Burisma, an oil company, in Ukraine. Conveniently enough, while his father was the vice president of the United States, and it was rumored that he was peddling that influence abroad. For those of you who don't know what peddling that influence abroad means, it goes a little something like this. Hey, I'd like to be on the board of directors and get a salary of $1.7 million a year for that company Burisma that you got right there. Boy, you out of your mind? What makes you think you're qualified for that or that we'd even consider you? My dad's Joseph Biden, the vice president of the United States, and I have it on good authority to let you know that if you don't allow me to do this, your $90 billion aid package that comes from the United States of America every year won't be coming this year. <laughs> Look it up. Well, mysteriously enough, Hunter Biden on Burisma. Also, not so mysteriously enough, there's a video floating around the internet. I think we should play it now, Ruben. Uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <clears throat> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess the... 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. 
So they said they had it. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. Okay, guys, what you just saw was Joseph Biden during the Barack Obama administration telling, well, telling the story of him explaining to a political figurehead that if they did not drop charges from their special prosecutor, okay, against his son, he would be sure that he made it so that they did not get their aid package and 90 million, whatever, a billion, whatever it was, whatever the figure was. My point being, vast sum of money would not come to you unless you took my son off the hook, unless the heat came off my kid, okay? So if it's that easy for him to give a quid pro quo, then why couldn't he do it many, many other times over, okay? Now, y'all just said quid pro quo, quid pro quo. I've heard of that before. Yes, you did. You heard of it when the media pounded into your head week after week after week after week that Donald Trump gave the Ukrainian president a quid pro quo when Donald Trump was the president, okay? And the context I forget, but it was essentially that Donald Trump told him that he had to behave a certain way, approve a certain thing, not say a certain thing, whatever the case may be, and if he did do that, the outcome would be favorable for him. If he didn't do that, it would be very bad for him. That is what a quid pro quo is, okay? You gotta do this for me and I'll do that for you, okay? Did we ever hear about Joe Biden's quid pro quo? I don't recall hearing about that. Ruben, you recall hearing about that? I don't. I don't recall hearing about that, okay? And we're not Donald Trump humpers here, okay? We're common sense lovers. We're logic lovers. We like facts. And what I'm trying to explain to you is the quid pro quo between Donald Trump and the Russian, or excuse me, Ukrainian president was never founded. It was never, he was accused of it. it. They tried to impeach him over it, okay? And it never made its way through because they discovered there was no logical basis for that, okay? And I'm not here to defend President Trump. I'm here to defend facts and logic in the country that I live in, okay? Now, why is it that I can so easily find the clip of Joe Biden talking directly about his quid pro quo with Ukrainian political figures. But Donald Trump is in the news for quid pro quo for six months straight, yet nobody has any evidence. One of those things the news brought to you, put it front and center and shoved it down your throat. The other, you never heard of. The one that was shoved down your throat, no logical basis for it. There were transcripts that could easily be read where you would draw the appropriate conclusion, which there was no quid pro quo. The other, which wasn't even brought up to you, was blatantly obvious. Matter of fact, we found the video on the internet easy enough to show it to you on our podcast, okay? So why is that? It's because one of those people follows the narrative. One of those people does what they're told. One of those people understands that the greater forces at work that have the big money and the big influence are going to tell you what you're supposed to do, and you are going to be a good boy, and you're going to do it, okay? Donald Trump was not that guy, as we all know, all right? So why is this important? 
this is important, guys, because as time goes on, these things become more and more constant, okay? You're being told consistently, day in and day out, that what you are seeing is not there. You're ridiculous. Furthermore, you're a conspiracy theorist. And you say, but no, I, I saw it with my own eyes. They say, no, what you saw wasn't quite what you saw. What you thought you saw wasn't relevant at all, actually. In fact, what you didn't see, what you've never seen, and what we can't even prove to you is what's important, goddammit. And if you don't agree with us, you'll be punished. End of story. Would you like an example? How about coronavirus? How about COVID-19? Okay. So we're going to walk it back to when I was standing in the showroom of my Syracuse, New York location. And I was hearing the scuttlebutt from Governor Andrew Cuomo. Yes, that's the same governor who was later convicted of sexual harassment, whose brother was convicted of the same, who was found that he was co-conspiring with his brother, with the media to create a narrative. I can go on, but I don't have the energy. I was listening to Andrew Cuomo talk about coronavirus and how we had the best resources and we're creating hand sanitizers. They're being made by the jail inmates and uh, what? Shut up! I'm not talking to you! So this is who you got to listen to. It was like a fucking, what would you call it, Ruben? A, a daily Andrew Cuomo fucking episode of The View, pretty much? Pretty much. A uh, daily briefing on uh, his political agenda. Yeah, 100%. And who, do, who does that? I'm arrogant enough to do this shit once a week. This guy literally, <clears throat> excuse me, every day on TV for hours with his fucking PowerPoint slides and his blue background with a yellow lettering telling you time and time again, he's doing all the right things. You got to do that. Reduce your workforce to 50%. Reduce your workforce to 25%. Shut your business down unless you're essential. And by the way, no one's essential, but who I say is essential. And I sat there and I said to myself, huh. They're claiming that there's a ravenous virus going around right now. Okay, and I'd like to put a disclaimer forward. Anybody who lost a loved one or anybody at all to COVID-19 or comorbidity or any way you slice it, anybody who suffered a loss during that time frame, I've got nothing but love and appreciation for you, and I'm sorry for your loss. But I'm speaking about common sense and facts right now, okay? So this means this is meant in no disrespect towards anybody other than speaking in common sense and reality, okay? So I sat in my showroom, and I looked out across the street, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about the zombie apocalypse. I've thought about uh, a pandemic, the second coming of the bubonic plague. I've thought about all that, and it didn't look to me as people living their daily lives, and no coughing, no hacking, no lines in the emergency rooms, okay? I just remember looking around and saying, this does not look like a deadly pandemic that requires me to deadbolt my door shut, stay inside with a mask on, rub hand sanitizer all over my arms, my hands, my neck, my eyes, my cock, my feet, and hide in a corner somewhere. That just would not be my natural reaction if I didn't watch what was on TV, now, I'm going to ask you a question right now. Had you never owned a television, had you never owned a cell phone, had you not had any access to the mainstream media, if after living the past 24 months, 
Would you have told somebody coming out the other side of it that you just went through the most challenging global pandemic of your life? You know the answer to that question, and so do I. So all I did was exercise my common sense. I looked around and I said, I just don't see it. When I do, I'll react accordingly. But right now, I just don't see it. Okay, maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe I think I'm smarter than I am. Maybe I'm going to really suffer a terrible fate for this and lose my business. But I'm keeping my door unlocked. I'm staying wide the hell open. I'm letting my people work and earn an income. I'm letting the people that want to buy cars come in and buy cars. And until I see a reason to shut my door, I'm not going to do it. But every day on that TV screen, I saw mayhem and destruction. I saw videos of men in white suits bringing stretchers full of bodies out and dumping them on the side of the street and burning piles of bodies and later finding out that that was footage from something in Italy and later finding out that that was footage from something in Ghana. And it was like, why does it feel like they're trying to make me believe something is there that isn't there? <laughs> there he goes with those conspiracy theories. Okay. All I've done is speak to you about facts and used common sense thus far in this conversation, okay? But if you watch the mainstream media, your mind's already ringing. Conspiracy theory. Oh, he's talking about videos and he's talking about it didn't really happen and it clearly happened. We all went through it. Okay, that's fine. That's perfectly okay. Now, they came out with a vaccine and when the vaccine first came out, it was Donald Trump's vaccine. It was part of Operation Warp Speed. Ruben, you remember Operation Warp Speed? I do. It was uh, Donald Trump coming out and saying, we're going to have the best vaccines. We're going to get it done. Anthony Fauci is going to brief you daily on what's going on. We're going to wear masks. We're going to have good masks. We're going to get ventilators. We're going to, uh, we're going to do it. We're going to shut down China. And uh, I digress. Just felt like doing a little Donald Trump. But they came out with a vaccine, and it was under emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration, which it still is, mind you, do your research, okay? And then you should also do your research as to why they're trying so hard to get it introduced as a mandatory vaccine for school children. You know why that is, Ruben? Yeah. Money. It is money. But so, okay, we'll take a little curve here. So... When something's under emergency youth authorization, okay, the people who make it can't be sued if you suffer an ill fate, okay? So they know that they got to get it FDA approved. They got to stamp it, right? Because the, the American public's going to say, well, why are we still under this EUA, this emergency youth authorization, and you're telling me this thing is safe, it's fine, it's tested, it's tried. Hasn't it been out here long enough to get stamped approved? Okay, so here's what happens. If it becomes FDA approved, the people who have suffered adverse reactions and died because of it, all the heart attacks, all the myocardial infarctions, which, yes, I know is the same thing as a heart attack, all of the tachycardia, the ischemia, the blood clots, all of it, okay? The people who really did suffer a terrible fate and die during the coronavirus pandemic, well, they'll be allowed to sue. Because when a drug's under emergency youth authorization, you can't sue the drug company because you took it voluntarily. Matter of fact, when you got vaccinated, did you ask them to pull out the, the informational pamphlet? 
You know when you get a drug from the pharmacy, you get that little pamphlet and you pull it out and you fold and unfold and unfold and unfold and then it's like a fucking Brady Bunch on the screen. It's this guy, it's like Wayne's World with all those he sells two friends and he tells two friends. You know what I'm talking about? That big sheet of paper, okay? It's got all the paragraphs of all the contraindications and the side effects and the generic trade names and all the bullshit, all the information that you need to know that legislation over time in the United States government has said that you need to know, so that drug company is required to put that information on that packet put it in the, and put it in the uh, little bag when you get your pills. Ruben, do you know what that, uh, that thing says if you get uh, a vaccine? If you actually ask them for that informational packet? I assume for flu, stuff like that, it probably... This page intentionally left blank. Uh-huh. That's what it says, guys. Go ask your doctor. Get the Moderna, the Pfizer, whatever. Pull that bad boy out. This page intentionally left blank because they're not required. They're not required to put that information on there when you're under EUA. Now, that's an assumption. You know what? I'm going to disclaimer there. That's an assumption. We'll, we'll look up the credibility to that. But I would assume that the reason it's left blank, I can't assume any other reason a drug company would be allowed to leave the informational pages inside of a prescription drug blank other than the fact that it's under emergency youth authorization. Furthermore, and more so, that it's not FDA approved, okay? But I digress. So if it becomes FDA approved, all those people can sue. And boy, there's a lot of them, okay? Ruben, you know what the VAERS database is? Okay, it's the Vaccine Adverse Event Resource something. It's an acronym. Basically, what it means is, yo, if you've had something really bad happen after you took the vaccine, report it here. I say the vaccine, a vaccine. The VAERS database has been around for a very long time. And what it is, is it's organic reporting. It's the people's website. Now, see, you guys don't know about this, most of you, do you? Really, why why is it that the media didn't tell you why didn't the news that serves you say this vaccine is, I mean, it, sure, it wasn't like the vaccine was a small story, was it? Okay. If the news that told you the vaccine was so important and coronavirus was so deadly, cared about you so much, wouldn't they also tell you about the website that you should go to to report your adverse event reactions to so your other fellow Americans that went through the same thing, would have a resource to go to to find information and help and statistical evidence? Yeah. Yeah, it would seem like a good, wholesome journalism company would do that, doesn't it? But they didn't. And you don't know what the Veris database is. If you do, kudos to you. That means you've done some research. That means you've opened your eyes and looked around and sniffed around a little bit for other information other than what you're being spoon-fed. By a little go guy going, yeah, open up, okay? So kudos to you if you know what the Veris database is. If you don't, it's a website that houses information. And you or a clinician, meaning a doctor, a nurse, can go on this website and say, on this date, after taking this dose of this vaccine, I sustained these injuries, I underwent these symptoms, this patient passed away, Now, the VAERS database is where people report, okay? And it's it's judged for efficacy and uh, accuracy, meaning, not efficacy, that's the wrong, accuracy is the word, meaning that it's it's judged by people. If there's bullshit on there, they, they yank it, okay? Blatant bullshit, okay? If something is skirting the line, 
you know, it, I, I'm sure there's things that slip through the cracks just like anything else. But I can't imagine uh, a conglomerate of people getting together to try to skew the organic VARES database information. I guess it's possible. My point is this, guys. This database exists, okay? This database also says that when the media tells you, for instance, how about Rachel Maddow? Rachel Maddow. Was she CNBC, Ruben? MSNBC. MSNBC. Now, there's a woman that I've never met, but I don't like, okay? That kind of goes against how I feel, what I teach, and who I am. But this is a woman who, without having the appropriate data and knowing she didn't have the appropriate data, absolutely shamed people for not getting these vaccines and championed the people that ran to get vaccinated. And she should absolutely be ashamed for herself, ashamed of herself. More so, she should be held accountable for what she did and said. Because here's a woman who said, if you're pregnant, okay, if you're nursing, there is, I mean, she said it angrily too, there is zero chance. There is zero chance of you having an adverse reaction. Zero. So now it's your excuse. Okay. The amount of stillborn babies in this country, let's just put it this way. They had to change the standard deviation on what they considered statistical normals to be as far as the amount of fetal deaths. Okay. Babies dying in the womb. And it was relative to the vaccinations in those women. Okay. So I'm not going to continue to go down this rabbit hole. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you this. Okay. If something's FDA approved, people can sue. Here's Viagra. It'll give you boners. You should take it. By the way, you can't sue as if you get a heart attack. Here you go. Okay. You get a heart attack. You try to sue. It's not going to happen. Okay. But what they can't do is say, here's Viagra. Take it. If you get a heart attack, don't sue us. It's safe and it's FDA approved. Also, you can't sue us for anything at all, ever, for no reason whatsoever, because there's such a vast multitude of things that could go wrong. And it's more likely that you'll be injured by this than helped by it. Furthermore, in the studies that we did, the placebo group was 16% less likely to be harmed by coronavirus than the people that took the drug which means the people that took the vaccine during the placebo trials, meaning one gets a shot of sugar water, one gets a shot of the vaccine, the sugar water people got infected far less. 16% is almost 20. That's almost one-fifth, okay? So you can't sue if it's not FDA approved. But here's the caveat. Here's the little workaround. You know when you can't sue also is when it's required, Okay. If it makes requirement list for children's required vaccines, what that means right now, there's measles, mumps, and rubella, there's tetanus, there's rabies, there's several others that I'll miss. Okay, all the school-aged mothers out there are screaming at me right now. But if it's on that list that your child must have it before he or she goes to school and can be around other children, you can also no longer sue. That is a fact. Look it up. Okay, so why don't they tell you this, guys? Why are these things not front and center? You're hearing this information from me going, man, it really seems like this is something that the media and journalism would report on. This seems like pretty important stuff. Why wouldn't they let us know about the VARES database? Why wouldn't they let us know about the emergency youth authorization? Why wouldn't they let us know about the adverse events and the FDA approval and et cetera, et cetera? 
I'm going to say something to you that I will say many more times as we continue to progress through this show, okay? And you're going to hear it right after I take a drink. Follow the money. Very simply. Follow the money. Who stands to benefit? Okay? And then follow the politics. Okay? Who's endorsing it? Who's against it? Etc. Etc. Guys, America is a capitalist economy. Okay? It's a free market enterprise. The strong survive. Okay? Now, I am of the belief that capitalism is a beautiful thing when it's pure. Okay? Why do I believe that? Well, my father sold vehicles for many years for Ford Motor Company. Okay? Henry Ford had a saying. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And what a wholesome saying. What a pure, American, hardworking, nitty-gritty, nose-to-the-grindstone, get-the-job-done saying, right? And what did Henry Ford do? Well, he brought us internal combustion engines and transportation. For those of you who don't know what that means, he brought us cars. And he also brought us assembly lines and mass production, okay? He made it so instead of a group of people working on one project, getting it done, and then moving on to the next one, that a product would come through and one part would be assembled. Then it would go to the next bench. The next one would come through, the same guy would put the same part on a different piece. Then a next piece would come through. Same guy, same part, another piece, etc., etc. Then it went down and it got the exhaust. Then it got the end cap. Then it got the spark plugs. Then it got the etc., etc., until it was produced. This revolutionized production of products in the United States of America. Okay, that was Henry Ford. This was during the Industrial Revolution, okay? This happened because Henry Ford wanted to get rich, okay? He had some great ideas. He was an engineer. He was a innovative, luminary thinker, okay? But he also wanted to be wealthy, all right? It's the same reason that the Rockefellers uh, did what they did. It's the same reason, Andrew, was it Carnegie that built the railroads? Yep, Carnegie, yeah. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt and Carnegie was the same reason they built the railroads. Guys, it was all about the almighty dollar, man. It was about freedom, freedom of mind, money, and media. It was about getting that money, okay? It was about getting that power. It was about being able to stand on your own two feet and say that nobody owned you, okay? Well, then somewhere along the way, the power turned into greed. The greed turned into corruption, and it interwove itself into politics, okay? But the basis of it is capitalism. And what that means is, he who makes the best product gets the most money. That translates to he or she that solves the problem the best or solves the most problems gets the most money. That's why Steve Jobs created the iPhone, okay? That's why Henry Ford created the Model T, all right? That's why Elon Musk created the Tesla. Now, there's a side note for you. The current presidential administration just held an electrical vehicle information summit where he rewarded major car makers for their strides in helping to bring clean emission electrical vehicles to the American marketplace and the innovation, and it was incredible. And he didn't invite Tesla. Yeah, oh yeah. Ponder that for a moment. Just for a moment. That would be like having a sneaker summit and saying, well, the sneakers have really revolutionized America. The basketball players are jumping higher. The track stars are running faster. The football players' cleats are allowing them to cut and juke better. Everything is so much better because of the sneakers that have been produced in the country. 
American sneaker production and creation is at an all-time high, and we owe it to you guys. And everybody's invited, but Nike. Yep, Nike can't come. Or black comedians. We appreciate black comedians in this country. They're the backbone of humor in the United States of America. And Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Cat Williams, Bernie Mac. Get over here, guy. What? No, Kevin Hart? No, not him. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Like, President of the United States holds an electrical vehicle summit and doesn't invite not just the number one electric car manufacturer, the number one manufacturer of cars. He's usurped the big three. General Motors, Ford, uh, Chevrolet. General, I'm sorry, General Motors is Chevrolet. General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. It's, it's you guys, you just, you can't make this shit up. It's really quite incredible. It's tiring, really, sometimes to speak on this because it's almost, you feel like a broken record. You feel like you're preaching to a, a net where your words just fly through it and go to the other side and only little bits and pieces get caught. But the same way my buddy James said on my Facebook post that he, he didn't see the big meathead that everybody else saw. He saw an intelligent man that was going to help wake people up. It's the same way I feel. I kind of like to think of myself as a big meathead too. I work pretty hard to get all these goddamn muscles, but somebody's got to do it, guys. Somebody's got to do it. And, um, you know, I just had a few bucks. I had the resources to buy the stuff, to build the studio, to put some money behind the ads, to try to get this information out there. I feel some sort of deep-seated sense of responsibility, okay? Because I was blessed to be a good communicator. I was given the talents of the ability to speak publicly without being nervous, okay? I get nervous sometimes still. But I, I was given the gift of intelligence and the ability to speak and motivation, and energy, and not easily startled. And then I went through all these life experiences where I was just time after time after time made aware of all these things that I once relied on, I once never questioned. For the majority of the years of my life, I didn't even think about. Because I said, oh, they'll handle it. Them, they, up there top of the food chain, the shooters, the presidents, the business owners, the corporate heads, the leaders of the world, this is up to them. They'll figure it out. It's not nothing to do with me. And unfortunately, I think that's the way most people think. I think that most people don't want to be bothered. I think that most people see it going on, but they say to themselves, well, what the hell can I do about it? I can't, I'm not a president. I'm not a congressman, I'm not a senator, I'm not a corporate head, I'm not a shareholder. What the fuck am I going to do? Imagine if slowly that changed. Imagine if people, not one by one, and not investing everything they are and all their resources, but just started to slightly shift their thinking. Imagine if most people started believing, you know what? I voted for that cocksucker. You should bleep that out. No? No. Okay. I don't know. It's just, you know, the cocksucker and you think it just, I don't know who it offends. I do care, guys. 
You know, you hear this loud, ruckus, swearing, big 6'4", 275 white guy. I absolutely care. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody, okay? And it's so sad, honestly, that nowadays I can't just speak and go, okay, if I fucked up, hopefully they'll forgive me. And if I don't try to offend them directly, they'll understand I'm not trying to be offensive. They'll just forgive me for making a mistake. I'm a victim of it. I'm sitting here going, well, shit, with the fucking narratives that are out there and all the bullshit and the triggering and the harmful language and all this stuff. And you know what? You're right, Ruben. Fuck that. It's not what I sent out to do. Okay? If you don't like what I have to say, let's have a conversation. How about that, guys? How about if I've said something that offends you? Instead of talking shit about me, instead of calling me a name in the comments... Instead of telling somebody else I'm an asshole and that they shouldn't associate with me, how about you talk to me directly? Tell me what I did that bothers you. Explain to me why it bothered you. I'll apologize if I believe that I was out of line and we'll work together to move forward and get past it. Imagine that, guys. Imagine if that's how we behaved in this country. Imagine if the people that you don't like, you then invited to engage in discourse with you. Excuse me, sir. What you just said really just pissed me off. I was wondering if you'd take a moment and have that discussion with me because I don't want to walk away from this this situation feeling like there's somebody in this world that I don't get along with, okay? If I'm going to have an enemy out there, I'd like it to be by choice, not by accident. So let's talk this out. Let's have some discourse. And if we can get to the other side of it, that's beneficial for both of us. Because that's one less enemy that you have, and that's one less enemy that I have. And, you know, I know that moving throughout this life, the less enemies I have, the better. It's just less to worry about, okay? But if we come blow to blow, at least we'll know why. At least we'll have a reason for it. Imagine if that's how we behave, guys. Imagine if everybody took it upon themselves to look into the things they were told and find the truth before they believed them. Imagine if before they just developed feelings of hatred towards another human being, they actually got to know them. Imagine if before people took what the media handed them as fact and they did a little research to make sure that it was good, wholesome information. Because matter of fact, it could even be good intentions. Somebody could have done their best to deliver you a good message, but they're a human being, so they could be wrong. So why you are trusting somebody else who is also a human being and very capable of human error, to bar none, without a doubt, with no failure, bring you absolute spot on accurate information every single time, and that's what you're going to base your life your opinions, your arguments, your conversations, your movements, your finances. You're going to base it all upon that person without once checking to see if that information is accurate, without once questioning that person, without once ever even having met that person, let alone all the other. Guys, all I'm trying to do is raise your level of awareness, okay? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe there is a secret cabal of adrenochrome drinking Satanist cults who dance around the fire and sacrifice goats and play scary movies in front of kids to get their adrenaline up to cut them open to drink the adrenochrome. I've read it. 
people believe this exists. Could it? Anything could happen. Is that what I'm peddling? No. Seems a little far-fetched to me. Okay? But do I believe that there is a coordinated effort to keep Americans stupid? Yeah, I could, I could buy that one. Do I believe that there is a well-thought-out plan to suppress the livelihood and the patriotism of the American population so they don't ask questions, they don't push back, they just buy what they're sold and shut up and move on and consume what they're told to eat? Yeah. Do I think it comes across that nefarious and that obvious? I do not. I think that the world's full of great salesmen. Lord knows I'm one of them. And I think that the salesmen are employed by the people a little higher up in the food chain to sell the information, to manipulate the facts in a fashion that's enjoyable to consume, to use words like inclusive, to use words like pride, okay? Because it really doesn't matter what the content is, if they can make you feel good while you receive it, the human condition is to absorb it. So what was the goal today, guys? The goal was to talk through a few things, raise your level of awareness, and get you to start asking questions. The goal was to start cutting into the belly of the beast and dispelling some of the bullshit and trying to earn your trust and have discourse with you so we can move forward on this voyage together so we can try to grow, get better, get stronger. Because I feel like every day it's just going in the other direction, okay? But at some point along the way, somebody has to intervene. It has to be too much. Enough has to be enough for somebody, okay? And enough is enough for me. So I'm intervening. I'm choosing to act. Okay? And if I've got to be the guy that grabs the reins and starts tugging, that's fine with me. That's the guy I've been my whole life, and I'm happy to play that role. What do I ask of you? Keep listening. Subscribe, please, if you enjoy the content. Let us notify you when we do something new. Like the content, if you like it. Don't smash the like button unless you want to smash it. Not asking you to do anything you don't want to do. I'm just asking you not to be lazy. So if you've watched this and you've gotten value from it, let us know. Let the algorithm know. So we get shown to more people. Okay. Comment. I said right to you during this video, if you don't agree with me, let's talk about it. And I mean that. And this is not just a cheap ploy to get comments on the videos because the algorithm likes that. This is just reality. Discourse is how we get to the other side. Okay. We got people in Washington, D.C. that are having discourse and conversation, but it consists of this guy getting on his easel with his pointer and his intern going, blah, blah, blah. You guys suck and you do it wrong and you don't care. And then the other guy going, come here, intern, puts his easel up with his clipboard and blah, blah, blah. And it's them who's the problem and they use all the resources and they don't get anything done. And then the tennis ball comes back over to the other side and then back over to the other side until it drips, bounce, dribbles out the door. Somebody brings in a new tennis ball and we start, start all over again in the next session, okay? So they can do that and they can have that. We're gonna try to get things done, okay? I'm gonna continue to bring you value. 
I'm going to continue to try to educate you. And what's the goal here? The goal is to help the average human being become aware of what's going on around them. What is the media trying to sell me? What's really going on in the world? How can I benefit from it? How can I keep my family safe from it? How can I progress because of it? How can I be my own boss? How can I gain financial freedom? How can I do what needs to be done for me to fulfill my American dream? That's why I'm here, guys. I believe I've figured it out. I live a very happy life. I am the definition of happy. I am more at peace in my life than I think anybody could be. And I enjoy doing this, and I will continue to do it, and I will continue to fight and bring you facts and talk about it and listen to what you have to say, and we'll try to get better together. And I invite you to come with me along the way. So I ask you to stay aware of what's going on around you. Stay compassionate and respectful towards your fellow man. This is coming from a big muscle-bound badass. Badass. Just be compassionate. Be respectful, okay? You'd be amazed if you made those the focal points of your day to treat your fellow man well, how much better your life would get. So stay aware of what's going on around you. Stay respectful and compassionate to those around you and stay motivated. Don't let anything push you backwards. Don't let things that don't matter get you down. And when something that does matter gets you down, take a deep breath and get back up and keep moving forward. Stay motivated. Stay compassionate. Stay respectful. Stay alert. Stay motivated. That's all you got to do. More importantly, stay free.